Hello and welcome to another episode of the Game of Loans podcast. I'm Sam and today I'm being joined by my old friend Matthew State who is a senior associate at DKLM, um, a central London legal firm and Matthew is a specialist in dealing with commercial conveyancing transactions and has helped me um, over the years with a number of tricky bridging deals um, and quite frankly he's uh, he's absolutely fantastic at what he does. So um, on today's episode I give Matt a bit of a grilling on, on the process, um, what's going on at the moment, um, what we can learn from, from what's happening um, currently and um, and why it's so important to have really intricate knowledge of bridging um, transactions, development finance transactions, commercial mortgage transactions um, to really be proactive rather than reactive during the, uh, the conveyancing process. So um, I'll shut up now and I'll go straight over to the recording of my conversation with Matthew State. Well, today on the Game of Loans podcast, I'm really, really happy and very excited, actually, to introduce you all to a good friend of mine, Matthew State, who is, actually, you've been promoted, haven't you, recently? You worked for DKLM as a solicitor, but what's your official title, Matt? Senior associate. Senior associate, yeah. <laughs> and bearing in mind, Matt and I met when you are pretty much office junior when I first met you, weren't, weren't you? Yeah, I think I just qualified, maybe. I was a trainee yeah. or trainee and then uh, gone, been... just, maybe just qualified. And a, 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 an astounding rise in what five years, something like that, isn't it? Uh, maybe not even that. No, I think it's, don't even think it's that. Maybe three or four. Three or four, yeah, incredible, oh, yeah. incredible. But Matt, Matt is genuinely one of the best commercial solicitors that I've ever worked with. Um, so we've certainly struck up a decent Thank friendship. Thank you very much. Um, but Matt, look, um, you don't need me to introduce you. you can, you're you're uh, old enough but definitely not ugly enough to um introduce yourself so why don't you um let us know a little bit more about you and, uh, and what it is you do brilliant okay so hi everyone um as sam said i'm a senior associate at dklm um we are a property based firm we do do other services but mainly property based i deal with a mixture of residential and uh commercial but mainly commercial um property purchases and refinances um, that also includes leases and uh, purchases of development sites, so anything really that you can come across when it comes to residential or commercial property. But um, Sam and I met when I was mainly dealing with residential, to be honest, when I was just coming up to qualifying. Sam used to work with um, a colleague of mine who is no longer with us uh, at the firm. He's gone off on his own venture now. But Sam used to do a lot of work with him. Uh, he introduced Sam and I, and um, it's all history now. Yeah, we did a couple of deals. We hit it off, didn't we? We did. We did a couple of we did a couple of deals together. Um, the first one, I think, was a bridge, maybe. Yeah. Um, with I can't remember who it was now. I think it might have oh. been like a UTB one. Was it, a UTB it was. It was. It was, a it was a UTB. Yeah. <laughs> it was UTB. And then yeah. we've done. We done. A, we did a further advance on that as well, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. We'd... And then. Um... Yeah, it's, I was just going to say it's just been a, been obviously a, a massive love affair ever since. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> I think it's good when you know what you and I do are a sort of usually in, in conflict with one another almost because we. We, it does tend to be that brokers and solicitors tend to not get on all that well. So part of how it, it, this has worked between you and I is that we do get on 
and we both have a similar kind of work ethic. Uh, we both just want to get yeah. a job done. Um, and we both just want to do a really good job for our clients as well. And um, I think that's kind of been the basis of, of why we work pretty well, I think. I think as well, um, people have this impression that solicitors don't ever answer the phone, uh, <laughs> don't want to answer emails. Also, from a perspective of a broker, or from a, from a, yeah, so that's from a broker's perspective or, or an estate agent's perspective, mm. which on the in in general probably is true people <laughs> people don't answer people don't answer the phone i'm not saying i am um a magician and can and, and can answer everyone's emails and calls all the time within within a timely manner but i think um i've definitely learned from my experiences so far that keeping everyone in the loop be that your your client or your broker or the estate, estate agent can help a transaction progress smoothly and quickly because at the end of the day there are things that i can do that are in my remit and there are things that other people can do which would be perhaps speaking to a client taking instructions from them on something that's maybe not from a legal perspective but gets a deal done because i it's it's going to be other than i can then focus on the things that are from a legal perspective that can get the transaction done quicker I think utilizing everyone in the transaction and recognizing that everyone has their part to play, even the client gets a deal done. Yeah. Do you know, that's, that's such a massive point. I think that there is, there's like a, when you look at a transaction from start to finish, there is a bit of a conveyor belt, but there's also overlaps in those conveyor belts where, you know, your job starts, but my mine maybe hasn't quite finished yet. And we are working together to, to, to try and, you know, all for the greater good, all working on behalf of the client together. And I think too often, you know, we forget sometimes, don't we, that we're all, we're all actually on the same side. We're all trying to, 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 to get the same thing done. Even when you're talking about, you know, sometimes having issues with vendors, solicitors um, and lack of communication there, you know, it's still within, we're all going towards the same uh, sort of end result, which is, you know, get the purchase completed, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think also, from my perspective, as time has progressed and I've got more experience, it's important to identify things that you potentially are going to foresee as an issue and highlighting them to the client and perhaps the broker mm. as we need this is going to be a hurdle that might come up. Why don't we flag this now? I'd rather flag something and it be not an issue than it be an issue. Mm -hmm. um, one that I'm finding at the moment on quite a lot of the deals that I'm doing because as, as, as you're aware we do with quite a lot of purchase refurb purchase with a bridge refurb and then refinance out mm -hmm. with a standard loan quite a lot of the companies or quite a lot of the clients that we're having they are new companies newly formed companies no cash in the company whatsoever how's the money getting into that company well, it's going to be injected by a director's loan. Now, a director's loan proposes a couple of issues. One, from a tax perspective, which obviously I can't deal with, but need to speak to an accountant with um, to structure and how, how the best way of dealing with that is and structuring it is. But also, when the bridging lender or the lender asks questions of how the source of funds are getting or what is the source of the funds for the purchase, when you when it's identified that that is a, being a director's loan that's made to the company, the word loan triggers something in the 
obviously the deal for the for the lender and they think oh well perhaps who's going to get paid off is that director's loan going to be repaid before the bridge Mm. well no we don't want that we want to make sure that our money's safe so then right at the last minute what was happening previously was the lender was then finding out about this and then asking for what's called a deed of subordination now in the last year or so I've been identifying that as a potential issue at the outset within mm-hmm. my sort of engagement letter or terms and conditions when I was speaking to the client and saying that we need to find, you need to work out what you're going to be doing with this purchase and how you're going to fund it. Because if it's going to be a director's loan, there are going to be some additional documents that you're going to need to sign rather than the 11th hour making everyone run around like a headless chicken, like I did do at the outset and probably not <laughs> making anyone happy. But now, now, now I think from my, from my experience on that point, I think that's that that's something that I've been able to sort of um, bring to a transaction. Um, thinking do you, do you, do you think the that's box. like kind of just the difference between, I suppose, being proactive rather than reactive, spotting things that are going to happen in advance to to use your experience to just make the transaction a lot smoother for everyone. But I suppose also, is it, do you think that actually maybe in both of our industries, actually, the, the norm has always been to be pretty just reactive to things rather than proactive and actually try and see things, you know, that might cause problems further down the line? Yeah, I think, I think that is definitely true. From my perspective, dealing with well, the, the location that, I'm, that we're in, central London as a firm, uh, in conveyancing is not the norm. Most conveyancing firms are based out sort of in the suburbs um some of the big boys in in, in central london do do conveyancing but again it's probably more the high-end stuff in when i when i mean high-end i mean portfolio transactions and that kind of thing yeah. not when it comes to the <clears throat> sort of more bread and butter um deals bridging uh, and, and refurb kind of stuff dealing with big sort of blue chip companies what i mean uh, more, yeah probably a better way of putting it so what dealing with transactions from my perspective i would deal with this probably a lower volume of cases which enables me to then provide a higher quality of service perhaps be a little bit more expensive um, but deliver be able to be proactive rather than reactive because i think there are i'm, I'm not going to name any names but there are a couple of firms out there who do pilot high sell it low they draw a client in with that initial low figure for their quote and then they can't pick they can't call anyone every single time they do pick up that someone at the firm does pick up the phone it's somewhat different Mm -hmm. and no one seems to know what what the hell is, is going on everyone's reading from a telephone note that the last person made from the from the previous call with someone and i think generally it just makes an already frustrating time for some people because everyone wants to get things done as quickly as possible especially when it becomes when you when you when you think like how much someone someone's or your clients being charged per day on a bridge and every day counts when it comes to totting up that original that, that, that final figure mm. and making assessing how successful that transaction's been i feel that that makes <laughs> makes a whole lot of difference and i i truly truly think that Unfortunately, you do have to experience a rubbish solicitor to 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 um, sort of justify using someone who's perhaps a little bit more expensive. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that 
my fees are extortionate but i'm Definitely saying not. i'm a little bit more expensive <laughs> than some other people but i just i feel that's justified yeah i, I, that's just, justified. Do, do, i think though as well that there is um maybe a lot of you know a lot of people that we maybe work with have been on property education courses and that sort of stuff as well and and i've certainly found that they when those guys get sort of funneled into us there's, there's quite a lot of education that just comes anyway with dealing with those kind mm. of people and maybe undoing some of the um maybe poorer information that they've they've received um but one of them does seem to be about price and fees and stuff like that and they're kind of told you know don't pay more than this for your solicitor. Don't pay more than this for your broker because you can find somebody to do it cheaper than that. And that's, you know, that's all well and good. And I'm sure that there's loads of other, you know, solicitors out there that are cheaper than you. I'm sure there's loads of brokers out there that are cheaper than me, but I do feel that on the whole, you do get, you know, you, you, you get what you pay for. Uh, free advice is worth every penny as they say. So, you know, I suppose it's all about just finding, you know, or, or getting clients to understand that when they pay, a certain amount they're going to get that level of service when they pay a little bit more they'll get more experience and more service and it should you know go as sort of an upward trend from there yeah i think what may, maybe more what the point is rather than directly or maybe indirectly selling myself what i'm more saying is like from to people who are just starting out and perhaps people perhaps someone who hasn't used a solicitor previously make sure you get lots of quotes go out obtain five maybe six quotes and don't be drawn in by the lowest figure because ultimately you might be saving yourself 200 quid on solicitors fees but is that solicitor going to get the deal done within the time frame that you want it to be in and ultimately if you then exceed by two weeks or three weeks from the date that you originally were hoping to complete because your solicitor wasn't as prompt or as responsive as you were initially hoping then ultimately you're going to be losing out on more than 200 pounds on, mm -hmm. on interest for not being able to get out of the bridge in time and i'm not saying that every solicitor who's cheap is, is is useless but what i'm saying is that you need to do your research you need to do your market research on solicitors and google reviews are a must i'm a big big advocate of google reviews there's also um, I think there is perhaps Trustpilot, but I'm not sure if many solicitors firms use that. Um, and also just assessing who is going to be dealing with the transactions. Um, one other thing I will say about quotes is make sure when, firm, when, you, when you do obtain a quote from a firm, double check what their disbursements are going to be and how they break down all their fees. Because I know that some firms do, they quote low. And then they, they, they add like additional fees for sending chaps fees, um, sending, doing, carrying out additional administrative searches. But what they do is they say that the admin search, let's say, for example, costs for 40 quid. But I know for a fact that it costs about £4.80. And they're adding on the time that it would, send, it would, it would cost for their, someone from their firm to do that yeah. on, a, on an hourly basis. And then they're building that in as a disbursement. So that's just something else to check about, check out as well. Yeah, and I mean, look, from I mean, look, we, we we could probably spend an hour just talking about fees and stuff like that. But I think the more important thing really is is kind of the the level of experience that that a solicitor, you know, should have. I suppose you know this is what I say to my clients about me. You know, I, I've done 
for those that want to get into property investing and for those that want to need are going to need to take out bridges and development finance and then commercial mortgages things are a little bit more um you know a bit more advanced then they need somebody that knows that market and understands it and it's certainly i always say it's certainly the same with with solicitors because there's there's a lot of solicitors out there you know that maybe do deal with the the, the mass level conveyancing stuff that wouldn't necessarily have the experience that you would have on the commercial side of things and when we say commercial you know i always you know try and uh, educate my clients when we say commercial we do include the bridging and development finance style loans mm. um, in, into those as well um but from you know I mean, and, and I, I've spoken to solicitors before. I, I always ask the question of a solicitor um, when I first did deal with them, especially on a bridge. You know, have you have you dealt with with bridging before? Yes or no? Have you heard of the lender before? Have you worked with that particular lender before? And I actually had one recently when um, I I said, "Have you worked with together before?" And they'd never even heard of them, and that threw up a, a few alarm bells. Um, but um, but from your perspective, you know, how important when it comes to we talk about bridging, because obviously a lot a lot of what we work on together is exactly what you said, the bridging, purchase with a bridge, do a refi- uh, refurbishment and then refinance out. How important is the knowledge of the solicitor when it comes to a bridging transaction? What 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 makes difference between someone like yourself and somebody that you know does work in the kind of Stackham High, you know, volume call center style conveyancing companies? I think ultimately when it comes to these kind of deals it is I don't think it's essential but it is important to perhaps be on the other end of a transaction so I, I act for some bridging lenders myself so I know mm-hmm. what someone's going to look for um, I think so I, from that from the outset I have I already have an idea of what a bridging lender is going to be looking for there obviously is to a certain degree a limited due diligence that, that a, a bridging lender would be looking for from their solicitor. So I think the majority of bridging lenders work from a standard list of requirements. They send you maybe, it could be 10, it could be 40 inquiries dealing with um, dealing with all the points that they want you to, to, do, to, to come back to them on. I think being precise and clinical with your responses, um, not giving them a wishy-washy answer telling them what they should accept or what they shouldn't accept basically just saying if someone let's say for example if someone says please provide a copy of this document you then for the sake of three pound don't argue with them back and forth for um i don't know two or three emails just get the document for the sake of three pound 40 or however how much it is just get the blooming document they'll 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 say okay well thanks for that that's that that's that inquiry now dealt with mm-hmm. okay cool that's fine just things like that, just being very, very responsive. I, I think there's there's a big thing in the in the in the sort of the bridging perspective area. If piecemeal is okay, piece doing dealing with things in piecemeal is okay, especially from my perspective. If someone deals with things in piecemeal when they're coming back to me when I'm acting for a bridging client, I'm like, okay, well that's fine. I've got my little list there. I've got my twenty court inquiries. Right, so that's that. That's now number nineteen. That's number twenty dealt with. Okay, back bish bash bosh. We've got eighteen to deal with now. Mm-hmm. Rather than someone saying to me, "Right, I'm just collating all of my clients' information, and I'll be coming back to you when I've got all the replies." That's fine. It, it, that that's fine. If you're dealing with that in one to two days, that's okay. But if it's going to take you three weeks to get the nineteenth inquiry back when you've got all 18 like the day before like mm-hmm. the day after you initially got the requirements that just frustrates me beyond belief 
but yeah going i think going back to your going back to your um to your point about how important it is to um sort of familiar be familiar with the documents i think when you've got bridging transactions with a company you know that there's going to be most likely a guarantee coming from the from the director familiarizing yourself with those documents a debenture probably being taken over the company a separate legal charge being taken over the property and i'm just trying to think of there maybe it's there might be some additional third company third party company guarantees from another subsidiary company those kind of things if it's a new company as well so understanding those um corporate documents and not only that there will be some advice that you obviously need to give the client on those documents as well so understanding those documents not these documents aren't small they're like 40 50 pages each you need to know what the client what is going to be important to the client mm -hmm. rather than sitting in a meeting with them or sitting on the skype call sitting on the phone with them for two hours going through clause 1.1 says this clause 1.2 says this you need to be able to highlight every single important clause to the client that's poignant to them mm -hmm. right so i know that i i know in these kind of in these transactions that you you probably need to get there's normally a clause that says you need to get the consent of the lender before you start letting the property out during the bridge okay that's fine so i'm going to make sure that that client knows that that if they finish the refurb but they're still looking to um refinance it but whilst they're refinancing, perhaps they want to let it out. Mm -hmm. They need to let the lender know that they want to get that they want to let it out. That kind of thing. Perhaps also some lenders say that they want um, to see a schedule of the works before before you do the refit. Now, I normally that's I guess that's being dealt with via the broker because that that comes but I, I guess that comes as part of the initial yeah um, sort of application process. But if it hasn't, draw that to the client's attention. So just those kind of things, I think that, that rather than making, it's, it's very, very easy for you to be a lawyer if you want to detail everything point by point by point and then send the client a 40-page document and say, read this. But then the value in advising your client and being an action, like physically being a good lawyer is highlighting the points that are important to the client because at the end of the day i could send a client a 40 page document and say read this and they'll go okay i've read it but i know full well that they have not whereas i could send them a two-page document and say read this and they'll go oh okay look this is a point by point important points to note for this transaction and i could say very confidently that i would say that 90 percent, maybe 95 percent of my clients would read that yeah and i and i that, that that's a a palatable sort of way of dealing with um, advice letters for clients because they just want to know what's going to affect their budget or what's going to affect them getting out of the bridge and mm -hmm. getting onto a lower standard rate. Yeah. So I think I think that that is that is very important. Not I'm not saying streamline streamline your work to the extent that you're doing less work. I'm saying streamline it to the to the to the effect that you're highlighting to the client the things that are the most important and the pivotal well, you're, points. You're being efficient. That's, I think yeah. that's, that's it. It's just, it's fine. It's making sure you, your knowledge of exactly what you just said, picking out from a document, the important bits is, is what you're actually doing there is what you, what you said is, is really transferable to, to stuff that I do in, in my job, which is that, you know, 
a lot of the time you can keep pushing back on the client and saying, right, read all of this, read all of this, read all of this. But ultimately it's within my interest and within your interest to get the transaction done as quickly as possible. And sometimes there's things that can be done to make things easy. I mean, I know you using that similar example to yours in terms of getting a document with a load of stuff on it and, you know, just highlighting the important bits that a client needs to read. Um, one thing that I always do with, um, you know, especially with, com- you know, company bank accounts or stuff like that is I always going to have to send these off to lenders. I, I sort of highlight and underline all of the, like the rents going in and the, the mortgage payments going out. You know, I annotate those kind of things because I know that that's going to answer certain questions for underwriters and it's just going to, you know, it might, it might save 20 minutes, but that's 20 minutes of, a, of an underwriter's time that gets to evaluation quicker or gets to another point quicker and i think that's kind of i guess that's what you're kind of saying from your point of view as well it just it speeds up the transaction and and makes it smoother i suppose isn't it and that's what we're all aiming for at the end of the day is to get to that point where it's all done no yeah exactly exactly and and there is obviously certain things that you have to um hurdles that you have to jump when you're dealing with a bridging transaction be that meeting with the client personally signing certificates of advice those kind of things what I've actually been doing with a lot of my clients is, um, for example, making life a bit easier for them. I've been giving them when they come and meet me, if they, if they do come meet me personally, um, pre COVID-19 situation, um, giving them, I'm taking a certain copy of the certified ID. And if they do decide to go somewhere else for some, for whatever reason, or if they needed to do, like, I think a couple of bridging lenders, they offer free sort of internal legal, on a when if they're bridging out with a with a mainstream product that they're like if that if that 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 lender offers if they do need to provide like certified id at the time i would then give the client another additional copy of a certified id just so they can take that with them and say look this is what my solicitor gave me at the time we acted on the bridge just just giving an extra bit of value really to to the client i mean majority of the time the, the client does tend to come back to me so yeah um um, I mean, but you just, you just, I think the most important thing is just bringing that extra value to that client and thinking outside the box. It's important. Yeah. You need, you need, you need and, and thinking on your toes as well, being responsive, not sitting on an email when it comes to for two or three days, you need to yeah. get, get it, get it out to the client, take instructions. Should I, it, it, it's, I suppose, you know, obviously I can, I can speak of my frustrations from, from the broker perspective. And, and I, I always say to everyone, you know, and I suppose I can add a B into it. I always say it's the two S's that potentially slow down a transaction, which is the quality of the surveyor and the quality of the, of the solicitor. But I suppose the quality of the broker as well is important in that. Um, but I don't really sort of judge myself on it, but um, from a, from a solicitor's point of view, one of the things that frustrates me, I think is sometimes that lack of communication and that lack of proactivity um, to, to, to try and get the job done. And, you know, I said, I had a guide case just before Christmas where, you know, the, we, we applied for a bridge and nobody could get in touch with the solicitor and it actually got to the point where we lost the case because the solicitor had said to us that they'd sent back um, everything, you know, piecemeal, as you said, to, to the, to the lender's solicitor and they hadn't. And, um, and the vendor hadn't even hadn't even had any communication with, for you know two three weeks and they pulled the deal and i think that's i mean that's obviously a very extreme example but certainly i think one of the things i i have that frustration with is is the communication and do you what i was going to kind of lead on and ask you was obviously you meant you touched on there that we're all you know we're in lockdown at the moment and um and so 
do you think that because i'm certainly seeing well, i think there's a lot of brokers that are going to come out of this pretty badly on the other side do you think that also in terms of your part of the industry solicitors conveyancing solicitors do you think that there's going to be a few that are going to be pretty negatively kind of uh, affected by this and and you might actually see a bit of change coming out on the on the back end for some things that might be you people are doing differently now and, and communication might play a bit of a role in that i definitely think so i mean I don't want to be a, a scaremonger, but there are, I think the, the I've, I've not been impacted so much at the moment because the majority of the work that I do is commercial. Mm-hmm. I think if I'd been, if the majority of my work was residential, I would probably be in a, bit, a little bit of trouble right now. I, there's a couple of deals that I've been working on. Um, and I've been emailing the lawyer one day from a residential perspective and the next day I've had an email saying they've been furloughed and this, this is now someone else now dealing with this. Um, I mean, yes, there are obviously going to be impacts um, from this. People, people can't move, but if you're moving into, in the, in the, in the, the realms of stuff that we're dealing with, if you're moving, if, if you if you if there's no one moving into the house, majority of the time, re- sort of refurb jobs are currently vacant anyway pre acquisition of the property so that that's not stopping any of those kind of deals going through mm-hmm. um certainly a lot of the bridging deals that we've got going on are all still progressing i've completed i completed on four last week i've got maybe two or three completing this week um which okay is less than normal but there's, there's still things are getting done the most important thing that's as you as you touched on previously is valuations valuations aren't getting done um, how are you going to get the deal done? Um, I've had one valuation, it was a revaluation, come back because the the it, the loan went or the offer went out, and then the borrower decided not to proceed, but has come back again to the lender, and then it's been revalued, but it's been revalued on the basis of exactly the same valuation that was done seven months ago, yeah. but it's subject to a final reinspection. Right. Which so I've they, never so, seen before. So they do they do actually want to go in and see the property again once the lockdown's over. So you won't you won't actually be able to complete on that until it's No. Until the lockdown's only way finished. That, the only way that, that perhaps may what we've done previously is put an additional what what would be called a condition subsequent or like a special condition of the loan to say within a certain time frame the lender will carry out a further reinspection of the property and reevaluate and revalue it. And then if the value has been reduced then the borrower would then need to reduce the loan amount to the specific loan to value of that product mm-hmm. obviously with with what we're going with what's going on at the moment no one is prepared to accept anything like that because no one even knows when people are going to be able to go out exactly and do again yeah um one I mean, it's difficult to say from how much we're all going to be impacted but one thing i will i can probably quite easily say is i think my the way that i work on a day-to-day basis is going to be it's going to change forever now i now know that i can work from home more than one day a week mm-hmm. um which i was permitted to do previously my firm allowed me to work from work from home one day a week and if if the need arises i could i could work home more work from home more but i used to not take advantage of that because i liked being in the office and i think i felt like i could um i could sorry someone was just calling me uh, right. i felt like i could get more work done um 
but now I know that I'm going to be able to um, more comfortably work from home two to three days a week. I think, I think ultimately I will need to go into the office to, to, um, to facilitate completions uh, to, a, to a certain degree to make sure obviously I can meet with clients if I need to. But I think you'll see a switch now from lenders requiring you to ha- perhaps meet them um Joe, i was going to ask face you that face. that exact thing was what i was going to ask you about because you know from from my perspective i've been pushing on this for what feels like decades but it's not it's just years i think for, for lenders for, for everything just to be a bit more accessible remotely you know um having to physically um you know from my perspective having to physically certify certain things and and, and sign things having to witness certain certain signatures having to do this that, and the other and from your point of view obviously there are lots of bridging lenders as we've, we've already mentioned that require that face-to-face interaction and you know for, for me i i've maybe maybe because i'm not a lawyer and i'm not you know i've not done a law degree i don't i don't get it you know i feel like everything could can be done remotely um so do you think that's that is genuinely going to be something that we'll see a change in because i mean if it is then that's a that's a really positive change isn't it i think I really, really, really hope so. Um, I've done, I'm completing on a transaction this week where the, my client, the lender is allowing witnessing to be done via video call, but it's only happening on the basis that the solicitor who is signing the certificate has previously met that client face-to-face and can certify that that is the true likeness of the person what is the importance of that because that's that's something that i guess i've never really got my head around is that if you can do a video call with somebody like surely that can be whether you've met them for the first time or not i think i mean i I would probably be i am speculating here but i guess with the advances of technology perhaps they from what you can see on a video call it doesn't it, it can't um it doesn't replicate a face-to-face per- meeting with a with a client where you meet them individually you know there's potentially no duress which is what comes up a lot of the time there was a big case um i don't want to bore people with legal uh, jargon but there <laughs> was a, there was a big there was a there was an important case uh, that happened in 2006 i think it was don't quote don't quote me on that um where um a husband and wife were um they had a mortgage on their property and basically the husband had signed all the documents with the wife but had 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 forced the wife to basically sign them um so now there's there's a lot of importance placed on um independent legal advice you would have probably, people probably hear that all that come up all the time independent legal advice a separate solicitor advising them um because they don't want conflicts of interest between the solicitor and the clients arising because ultimately my job is to act in the client's best interest but could my advice to the client be prejudiced on the basis of me having a better relationship for example with the husband and then when the wife comes in and says oh what does this mean my husband has asked me to sign this uh he could then go oh don't worry about it like just sign it um but the importance of making sure that every single person understands what they are entering into um cannot be i guess stressed anymore because 
from a lender's perspective, they don't want any p- potential comeback on them when someone says, oh, well, I didn't know what I was signing. I didn't know what I was entering into. So that's why you have all of these solicitor certificates um, and requirements to meet with them in person or at least advise them over the phone, advise them over a video call because the lender wants to know that all the due process is being followed that in the event that ever there was ever a comeback that someone said, oh, well, I didn't know what I was signing, that there was at least a trail where that person met with that person, that person spoke with that solicitor and then the solicitor then signed a certificate. I guess ultimately they probably want to put a noose around my neck saying, <laughs> well, why did you not advise that person correctly? But yeah. they're, they're, they need to be seen to be respond, responsibly lending. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't necessarily do happen on sort of mortgages a lot of the time. That, that's, that's the one thing I've never really understood, I suppose, is that from a mortgage perspective, you can get someone to take out a mortgage and, you know, they don't physically actually have to see, and maybe they never actually meet, you know, if we're doing a, a remortgage transaction and they are using sort of one of these call center conveyancing companies as we have maybe called them um they don't need to go and visit south wales or wherever the call center is they they can do everything remotely so what what is what's the difference there what's the difference between some a transaction like that and some of the ones that we get involved with that require face-to-face advice i guess ultimately from a lender's perspective from a bridge from a bridging perspective the transaction ha- does have a, an element of higher risk it's obviously unregulated but um it's an unregulated product as well majority of the time and um i think there is ultimately a little bit more of a risk involved in that if you would if you were on a standard reef on a standard refinance when i say standard refinance i mean refinance with a with a with a mainstream lender mm-hmm there would probably be a degree of when it, when the lend, when the borrower is a corporate entity, there would be a, a degree of um, independent legal advice being required by a director, that kind of thing. So I think perhaps it's more just because people historically think bridging lending is a bit of a, I don't know, last ditch resort. Uh, and people, I certainly, before I got into the property game, um, thought, Bridging lending was like one of those things that people go to the property auction and buy a property and go, oh, well, I haven't, I haven't got the ability to fund this. So I'm perhaps paid over the odds or whatever. So I need to call up someone and get a bridging, bridging loan. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, you've got, you've got some people coming onto the market with some really, really decent products. I'm sure you could vouch for it better than I could, who, who are making bridging lending a lot more accessible for, for, um, for more the, I guess, people who are who are fresh into the market and 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 new investors yeah you, again you might be able to comment more a little bit on that but well, yeah i think they it's, it's like anything isn't it i suppose just because some uh, a particular type of need or product started out in a particular way or form over time you know it can be utilized in different ways and grows into into something different um and i think bridging is a actually a really good example of that but you're absolutely right it did used to be almost you know some some loan sharks from manchester because uh, you know manchester as we know is the mecca for, for bridging <laughs> uh, for whatever reason um you know uh, and they would it would be a last ditch attempt or it would be that you would need it for a very specific reason um you know we've done a few where you know someone's moving home before they actually had the chance to sell their previous home so that would be like on a, on a sort of more traditional regulated bridge um but now i think with the advocate a more advanced 
property transactions and, and strategies, you know, having quick accessible finance um, has become even more important and prevalent to, to people's you know plans nowadays, uh, investor plans. So it becomes a, a tool in the armory, if you like, or, or whatever sort of analogy mm. you want to call it, rather than an, a, you know, a last ditch sort of plan B necessity. It's now something that can be used to, uh, you know, to grow a portfolio quicker as, as we know, because that they're the kind of transactions we get involved with on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. I think it's not, it's not seen as that sort of dirty word that perhaps might used, maybe used to have been. Mm. It's now seen as, part of your as you say part of the armory part of the tools that you need in order to get a deal done basically mm. to to structure the deal in a way that's going to work for you and build your portfolio you might have to sort of if you are concerned about going into the bridging sort of i, I don't know yeah i maybe if someone considering their first bridging loan don't think of it as extortion the interest um loan sharks people going to be knocking on your door or the house's door if you if you don't repay it within a certain time frame at the end of the day no one wants to take any action against someone unless they are really 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 crossing the line mm. people people work with people and people like working with people and being transparent, open and honest. And if the, if the refurb or if the deal's taking a little bit longer than you, than you think, speak to your broker. The broker will speak to the lender and the lender will, majority of the time, again, don't hold me to this, give you some form of grace period and will work with you to get their money back. And so that perhaps they can, if you, if they look after you, you'll go back to them for, for more money in the future on your next deal. You know, Absolutely. I guess, I guess that's, uh, I've gone off on a little bit of a tangent there. But, no, but you know, um, actually something that you've picked up on there is quite important. And I wasn't actually thinking about talking about this, but it's, uh, it's quite important. Some, something that I've certainly seen, and this has come off the back of a few bridging lenders stopping lending, um, is that I've had quite a lot of, I suppose, I've been thinking about this a little bit more. Whereas some of my clients or people that I know that aren't even necessarily my clients have come back and said, right, you know, I've been let down by somebody in this case, a bridging lender. Um, but, and cause you were talking about sort of forming long-term relationships going back time and time again, you know, I've got people that I never would have maybe had a chance of doing a deal with because they're kind of like, you know, they've been doing it for years and years and years. They don't really need, they don't feel the need for a broker. They've got a lender that lends them all the money they want and they just keep going back and doing that time and time again. Now those relationships are being broken. There's opportunities for other, other brokers, other lenders to get involved. Um, but on the whole, do you think that the, and this might be a bit of a loaded question, but do you think that, the the time that we're living in at the moment the issues that we're we're seeing is it really kind of not showing people's true colors but is it i suppose an opportunity that those that really are doing a good job those that are keeping in touch with their clients those that are um you know working hard to forge new relationships are ultimately going to be the ones that are going to come out of this on the other end just almost better than when they when we went into it and and it's we could see as an opportunity I definitely think that. Yeah, I definitely, definitely think that. I think a lot of people going, going back to 2008, I think a lot of people benefited who took the risk. I mean, I'm talking from a property investment perspective here. People took a risk in 2008 uh, when the property market just crashed 
uh, property market crashed and they financially took a huge risk and bought some properties and now are reaping the benefits from that. Going from a complete perspective, uh, going changing perspective and going into what the, the realms of the stuff that you and I deal with, I think going out on a limb, perhaps working a little bit harder, plugging some things perhaps that you wouldn't have thought plugging previously, reaching out to some people, saying hello, putting your foot in the door. Um, you might not get a response initially, but as you say, when they get feel like the need, feel the need to, to the, the person that they were previously dealing with or be that a solicitor, be that a lender, be that a broker, be that an estate agent, be that anyone in the realms of property. As long as you're at the forefront of their mind or perhaps the second down on the list when they turn back to the people that they may desperately are in need for, mm-hmm. that's, there's so much opportunity there. So 100%. much opportunity there. And I saw your post um, yesterday I think it was yesterday, it came up on my feed yesterday about LinkedIn. LinkedIn at the moment is absolutely thriving. Like I see so many posts every day, all day, every day, people liking things, people doing things like, things that perhaps were on Facebook a long time ago, like challenges. I saw some people doing like some golf bucket challenges, some brokers mm-hmm. and some lenders doing that and nominating each other and that kind of thing. But that comes up on my screen and I'm, and I'm like, oh, who's that person? Oh, I might as well connect with them. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Like just get your get yourself out there like there aren't that many solicitors i know who in our in our game who do that much networking they yeah. who, there are the odd ones out there who go to like property networking events that kind of thing but from my perspective i think that's not how i prefer to network everyone has their own preference i i like to get myself out there in 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 alternative ways and i think that's what, obviously maybe what you're doing as well using your instagram using these using these podcasts as well getting your name out there doing things that other people aren't mm-hmm. and you and we will and we will benefit from that in the long run and i i think because if there if there are some people that unfortunately fall during this time because they are maybe stuck in their ways um or are financially impacted because of it it will teach people to um to think think outside the box yeah do things a little bit differently yeah i think i think without sounding too cliche i think there are lots of businessmen out there who have gone out there come up with an idea thought outside the box and made a lot of money from it and i'm not saying i'm not saying make a lot of money from uh, i want to make a lot of money or i want to be a multi-millionaire what i'm just saying is i love doing what i do Mm. and to continue doing what i do in this situation i think we have to think outside the box because there are a lot of people who are doing what I do. Um, there are a lot of brokers as well. Um, but you have to have your sort of like, find your niche, find your niche in the market. Um, sorry, someone's trying to call me again. No worries. Um, I'm probably gonna have to go in a sec. I'll stop, I, if you need to cut that bit out, should I cut that bit out? And go no, back? no, don't worry about <laughs> it, mate. We, 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 do, we do things organically here. You know, I keep all that in. It it makes us real people. We make mistakes like everyone. But no, I think I think what you're saying there is is right. And um, we'll we'll maybe make this kind of a last last point then, just to wrap things up. But um, but certainly, I'm seeing that people are are needing to do things in a different way. I've been saying this for a long, long time. Anyway, Um, you know, from from my perspective, 
I've always been a massive advocate and pushing people and saying, you know, utilize what's at your disposal to speak to more people and get your message out there more. You know, I've, I've always been shouting about social media for a long, long time. LinkedIn, as you've already mentioned, is a huge, huge uh, platform yeah. at the moment. It basically, you, you kind of said it already. Uh, what, what for, it, it's Facebook 2010, LinkedIn at the moment. That's how it works. That's how the algorithms work and everything like that. It's an amazing place to connect with people. Um, but look, me, you and I are in industries that don't you traditionally don't utilize those those sorts of platforms to definitely you know show show off our our knowledge. And um, I, I always say that you know in the league table of boring, I'm only beaten by um, insurance and taxes, um, and you're probably only be uh, you know legals are probably only beaten by brokers or finance uh, insurance and taxes. So so I'm probably just one one place above you. So what we do traditionally isn't, isn't something that interests people when they're scrolling through their Facebook feed, but but at the moment, um, you know, people are doing that more and more. So those that are doing it, those that are spreading that message, and, and I'm certainly, you know, I'm hoping that it's coming across and really trying to spread positivity to people and saying, you know, there's lots of opportunity um, at the moment and take advantage. Um, hopefully we are the ones that are going to be the ones left standing at the end. And I don't know if you're the same, but I, I've got other, I've actually spoken to brokers that go, like, now I'm just going to sharp shop for a month and uh, see, see what happens in, in four weeks. I'm going to, going to lie low. I think, yeah, it's a little bit slightly different for us because the way that our income, most of us are, I don't know how brokers work, but most of us are obviously employed. Uh, it's not really my job to make assess, to assess whether or not I decide I want to shut up shop. Mm. If my, if my, <laughs> there have been some people, administrative people in my, in my, in my team who have been furloughed because the decision was made to do that, but no solicitors have. Um, so I think ultimately, yeah, I think during this time, people who are doing, who are getting themselves out there are going to make, are going to reap the benefits because there are lots of people out there who are being impacted, unfortunately, by this terrible situation that we, we're finding ourselves in. But mm -hmm. ultimately, if you can, if you can, if you can make the most of it, I think that's the, I think that's the way of doing, putting it. I think so, um, also, I think also making yourself approachable is very, very important. Uh, in in our in our realm, in our realms of, of of industry because you're talking you're talking especially from your perspective you're talking figures for people some people don't like talking about figures some people get a little bit uptight about talking about stuff like that some people think from my perspective that talking to their lawyer is a scary um scary thing to do or that i'm going to be really boring or going to be really snooty or stuck up that kind of thing i think um, taking it down a notch and making everything everyone feel comfortable and being formal informal sorry with professionalism makes everything i think helps the client relationship yeah so much so much more like well, it, it's I what you were saying earlier a lot of my it's, clients. it's a every, everything's a people <clears throat> industry now every single thing is a people industry and people buy people i've said it for ages the, the 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 time of nice guys finish last is gone now people like to do business with good people you know are there are there technically better brokers out there than me possibly yes are there technically better solicitors out there than you i probably would say no but you know you you, <laughs> you might you might be a bit more modest um but you know there probably are but sometimes the way that we come across the way in which we handle ourselves and the message that we we give and the way that we give that message is actually the reason why people want to do business with us over other people and i think that's a huge lesson for anyone to learn you know i've been trying to push that message to property investors for for months now that you know if you're trying to to get either property deals or you know 
investors to invest in you they're, they're what you would call your leads um the best way of getting leads is to build trust with a wide community of people that you can guess what find on facebook find on linkedin find on instagram wherever and these are the places where you can build up those touch points you can build up those contact points you can build up the trust and the and and their respect and trust in you for that you have the right knowledge for them to invest some money with you or oh i want to i need to sell my house quickly they're probably the best person to to help me do that and yeah and and we're you know we i I think we fit into that category as well in the in the you know definitely we're showing that we have a certain amount of knowledge to a a large group of people and people people trust us and and like us and want to work with us then I think that's just conducive to building better relationships moving forward as well anyway. And look, no one wants to work with people they don't like. We, we've certainly no, spoken definitely. about people that we don't like working with um, in the past. And, <laughs> you know, in an ideal world, you don't. So, yeah, I think it's, um, it's, a, it's a good, hopefully a, a good thing that, uh, that will come out of this. And maybe it's nice to finish on a, on a bit of a positive note there anyway. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, but look, Matt, I really appreciate you coming on. I know that you're, uh, you are busy, um, even though you're lying on the couch at the moment, and I've, <laughs> I've given, given you an opportunity for a, for a chill out for a bit. Um, but if, um, if people do want to get in touch with you, if they've got any questions or they'd like to, to run anything past you or get any quotes, uh, what's the best way of them getting in touch with you? Um, drop me an email or give me a call. Um, the, Try what contact details or well if, or if they Google search me okay give yeah. me a, give me a Google search I'm sure maybe you'll put my if you put my name on yeah. the um, on the podcast um, give me a Google I'm probably going to come up relatively near the top mm-hmm. on a Google search um, alternatively I can put my number or contact details I'm ha- in the I, bio I am, or anything I'm happy to put all of your contact details in the show notes if you want <laughs> me to that's not a problem at all and I can I'll put your your LinkedIn um um link in there as well so that people can connect Perfect. with you on the, on linkedin because i know that you're you're active on there as well but um yeah mate look always a pleasure speaking with you um thank you very much and so you-, you enjoy the sunshine today and um, i'm <laughs> sure we'll catch up soon yeah take care cheers nice one, mate cheers so that's it how good was that But let me ask you a quick question. Did you enjoy that episode? If you did, please, please, please do go on and write me a review and tell me what you thought on either Apple or Spotify. And if you think someone else might benefit from this, feel free to share this episode across social media. Thanks.